Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Kathy. Hi, uh, I'm Kathy and I'm anorexic. And I just wanted to put my glasses on for a moment just to um, look at everybody because my eyesight is really bad these days, or has been for a while. Uh, I um, haven't uh, spoken at this meeting in a while. The technology was different. Uh, I had to use the microphone last time, I think, and now I don't have to because there are these really cool recorders, so... That's how old I am. Um, I keep coming back to the same places, and the technology keeps changing wherever I am, and I just keep getting older. Um, I uh, am nervous tonight um, to speak here, and I've been in program for a long time. I've been in program for over 25 years, and um, I never used to get nervous speaking, but... More recently in my life, um, I've been really nervous out amongst others, um, and, uh, you know, I think it was Marcy who just shared that uh, when she would uh, come out, you know, go out into the world, she would have like a, a face on, um, uh, and then go home and, and and die and you know and suffer and it's kind of where I'm at right now um, I might even cry tonight uh, which is not something that I've done a lot in the times that I've shared um, n- that I've led meetings um, let me just uh, start by saying, you know, uh, I'm gonna f- I'm going to follow. It's it's a it's a long time to speak, uh, and um, I'm either going to come up 20 minutes short or go over by 20 minutes. Um, but somehow, I guess I guess that um, I'll be I'll be led to to the right amount of time. Um, so let me qualify by saying as I said that I've been in program for over 25 years and I have over 25 years of abstinence and my abstinence uh, keeps changing as I go along sometimes it becomes healthier sometimes it becomes funkier, but it does keep changing. Um, I uh, grew up in New York, as you can hear, and I um, grew up in a Jewish family with uh, very unhappy uh, parents um, in a bad marriage, constantly fought. Um... And 
it's interesting because I have a lot of really happy memories of my childhood. I mean, a, a lot of really fun things that we did together as a family, but I was not a happy kid. I hated school, and I hated living in my parents' house. Um, there was just not a lot of love and comfort. Uh, my father was scary, so scary. Uh, yelled, hit. I mean, I can remember one time when he hit, he hit me when I was really little. And um, I'm pretty sure I was, I must have been really little because I was, I think I had no, nothing on. I think I was naked. And he hit me on my ass. And and I ran to my room crying. And I turned around. My sister shared a room with me. And, I, and, we, and we both looked together to see where I'd been hit. And there was an imprint of my father's hand. That's hard to, um, to leave that. And that's a, you know, that's a really indelible memory that I have. And, you know, I don't remember my parents really helping me with my homework. Um, my mother always went out to meetings. She always had meetings to go to. She was on the phone constantly. Um, my father worked really hard. Um, I don't think he came home until about 7 or 7.30 at night, at which point we'd have dinner, and that was, you know, basically it. Um, I, You know, I wasn't... Uh, uh, Food was a, a hugely important um, when I was growing up. We all loved food, and we all used to talk about it a lot. And, you know, we would talk about what we were going to eat before we got there and um, um, what we'd eat at a different meal and and where, and where we went, what the food was going to be like there. I mean, it was always about the food. And um, and I had really weird eating habits as a kid, like in el- in elementary school. I um, when I came home from school in the afternoon, I didn't have I don't remember having normal snacks. I had things like um, you know like like more exotic foods. Um, like blue cheese. I hope it doesn't bother anybody that I'm mentioning foods. And uh, gefilte fish and steak tartare. I mean, I was like really little and I was eating raw meat. It was just, you know, it wasn't milk and cookies that I was having. And, um, uh, but aside from that, um, and, and I also had a lot of food rituals when I was a kid. Like, I would, when I watched a certain TV show, TV show I needed to eat a certain food. Um, and um, I habitually ate the same foods over and over again. Um, but I wasn't overweight. I was pretty, I wasn't, like, skinny. And I also wasn't overweight. Um, and it wasn't until about junior high or high school when I started to become dissatisfied with my body. It started to become too big for me. And, um, and I, I became aware of it. And 
I didn't start to diet in high school, um, but and and then when I got to college, I gained even more weight, which is pretty common when you go to college, I guess. And uh, you know, I ate a lot of uh, crappy food. I didn't grow. I didn't eat vegetables or salad. I hated my mother's cooking. You know, she used canned. She served canned vegetables, which ugh. Horrible. I don't know if anybody's ever had them, but they're disgusting. Um, I mean, it was, like, it was like punishment. I used to have to eat. The deal with my parents was that I had to eat as many pieces of vegetable as years I was old. And it was just, getting older was even more horrifying. Um, and... Um, so I went away to college, and, and my mother made horrible, you know, iceberg lettuce salads, and, you know, she poured salt on it, and all the salt went in one place, and I usually got it, and <laughs> and it was it was just bad. So I, I never developed a taste for good, healthy foods. Um, so then I went away to college, and I started smoking pot, and started eating a lot of after pot smoking types of food, <laughs> and then I, you know, gained even more weight, and um, uh, and and still I wasn't like I wasn't what you would consider like really overweight or obese, but I definitely weighed more than I needed to, and. Um, at the time when I was in school, there was this diet doctor that everybody had found and was starting to go to, and um, and the, he was a quack, and the deal was you would go to him, and you would, you know, say, I really am having a hard time losing weight, and uh, he'd say, okay, and he'd whip out his prescription pad, and and that was that. So my friend and I decided that we would share a prescription, and I was... Um, uh, going to be the one to go to the appointment, which I did, and it went along exactly as uh, other people had told us. You know, he just, you know, didn't spend any time with you, wrote a prescription immediately, and I shared it with my friend, and uh, I didn't take it, and, and what I, we, um, we opted to not get the amphetamines. We got the non-amphetamines for which we could get more pills. So we, we wanted to go for volume. And um, so uh, I started taking the pills, and not every day, and started to lose weight. Um, and at the same time in my life, I went back to, uh, to uh, my parents' house for a vacation or something, and I went to uh, see the doctor, family doctor, and I told him that I had wanted to lose weight. And he said, well, you can um, cut back on what you're eating. And he proceeded to tell me ways that I could sensibly cut back. And so I did that, too, in conjunction with taking pills. And I, at this point, I, I think I weighed like 127 pounds. Uh, and I'm under 5'5". Five five. And... Um, and what happened was I slowly started to lose weight, and I liked it a lot, and I just didn't stop. And probably over a period of about two years, uh, I was down to under 85 pounds. 
and I had stopped getting my period and still did not see myself as being thin. Uh, when, and I don't even know where the, where the, I have so many pictures in cartons, I don't even know where these pictures are, but there are a couple of pictures that I can remember in my mind, uh, you know, where my collarbone is just, you know, you could like fill a, like a glass of water in, in the pot, you know, in the concaveness. And, um, uh, you know, it was, and I, it was scary. And people would tell me, Occasionally, someone would tell me that uh, I looked like I had been in a concentration camp. And my response was, oh, oh, wow. But in my mind, I was thinking, all right, this is good. This is is what I'm going for here. So I, you know, was completely, completely distorted, completely distorted perception. Um, and I, um, was back to, I was back living in New York after a couple of moves out of the, out of, out of the city, and, um, uh, I went, uh, I was working at, um, uh, a job at an ad agency, and the woman for whom I was working, uh, knew that I wasn't getting my period, and, she recommended that I go see this doctor, and I remember visiting him and sitting in his office, and he told me, like, immediately, well, you're obviously anorexic, and I felt so caught and so embarrassed because I really believed that I was fooling everybody. I mean, I really believed that nobody else could see this, because I didn't see it. Um, And he recommended going to a place called the Ackerman Institute to get family therapy, which we did for a year, and it was helpful. And I started to slowly, slowly put on more weight. And I, uh, after that program was done, I went into individual therapy, and I started to put on a little bit more weight. And um, at around this time, my mother uh, recommended that I check out Overeaters Anonymous. And I don't know how she knew that it was appropriate for anorexia, but my mother was very, I have to say, one thing about my mom, very well read. You know, she just always read newspapers, followed, followed things in the, in the media and the zeitgeist. And, um, uh, but... Since she recommended it to me, there was no fucking way I was interested in uh, calling. Well, actually, I did. You know, I said, okay. I said, all right, I'm going to call. And I called, and there was a recording on, and it said, uh, you know, these, the, you've reached uh, Overeaters Anonymous, blah, blah, blah. And if you're interested in, this, in a um, meeting list, you can send 25 cents to. And at that point, I just hung up. You know, it was just too much trouble. So that was um, my experience with OA back then. Um, So I think I got up to, like, I don't even know exactly, to about um, 100 pounds, a little more than 100 pounds. And I had moved out to L.A. in 1985, and I was seeing a therapist at the time. How am I doing, by the way? 
Um, I was seeing a therapist at the time, um, and uh, she recommended that I check out an OA meeting. And I really loved her and trusted her, so I figured, okay, I, I can do that. And um, it was in Westwood, and it was an OA for AA meeting. And um, it was in the church. And, uh, you know, it was really weird. Um, first of all, I'd never been... I'd, I'd never been to a 12-step meeting. Um, the AA part of it, I was very unfamiliar with any of that. I didn't know anybody who was in AA. Um, and being in a church was really weird for me because since I grew up Jewish and was kept away from everything else... <laughs> Um, it just felt really strange and foreign. You know, there was nothing there that I could really hold on to for comfort. And then, at the end of the meeting, they, everybody held hands and said the Lord's Prayer. Well, that was it. You know, I mean, uh, I just, you know, I, I couldn't handle that. <laughs> so, the next time I went to therapy, uh, she asked me um, if I'd been to the meeting and how I liked it. And... I explained to her that, you know, for, you know, the reasons that I told you, that it, it just wasn't for me. And she said, okay, fine. Um, which was so nice because I was not used to people saying that to me. I was used to people trying to, like, ram things down my throat. Um, so it was, it was great that she accepted my feelings. And I would say probably a couple of months later, she brought up something again. She said, you know what? I heard from this woman, or I spoke to this woman, who goes to an, a, an OA meeting um, that has an anorexic uh, bulimic uh, influence. And you might be interested in speaking to her. And if you're you know, open to it, I'll give you her phone number. And I said, sure, that, I, I can do that. And um, so I called up this woman, and she said that, um, you know, she told me a little bit about the meeting and where it took place. And, and, and she said, you won't believe some of the things that we hear at, these meetings, you know, she said, for instance, this one woman was sharing that she um, used to chew her food, and then she would swallow it, and then she would immediately bring it back up again, and chew it again, and swallow it again, and she would do this, like, several times, and I said, wow, that is so weird. And <laughs> meanwhile, I'm thinking, oh my God, somebody else does what I've been doing for years. And because I'd never heard of anyone else who had done that. So I knew that I had to go check out this meeting. 
and I went there. It was th- that meeting was held on two nights, um, or the same similar meetings were held on two nights in, in Westwood at the federal building on Monday and Wednesday evenings. And I went there, and like as soon as the meeting began and people started sharing, I knew I was in the right place. I mean, I was hearing stories that I could relate to so closely um, that I'd never been around before because I really didn't know any other anorexics. And it was just a godsend. It really was. And um, I I started and I never looked back. Um, This was in February of 1986. And... I became abstinent in April, and at the time my abstinence was, um, bottom line, no swallowing up my food anymore. It 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 wasn't about what I was eating, how much I was eating, it was just no swallowing up my food, that was it. And uh, I got a sponsor, and I started working the steps, and... um, One thing that I really um, um, found here that I'd never found anywhere was a higher power. I mean, I had grown up, I was raised Jewish, but I knew at a very young age that organized religion was not for me. I just had this innate... um, sense that there was something that wasn't right about it for me. Oh, that says thank you what you just held up. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) All right. So, um, um, what was I saying? What was I saying? Right, okay. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, it just, it just was, was never, it just wasn't for me. And when I got here, I found a way that I could connect with a higher power that really had nothing to do with religion. I mean, it, it depends on who you are. It can have something to do with religion, I guess, if that's what you want it to be. But it's left very open and um, very inclusive as opposed to exclusive. Um, and I loved it. And for the first time in my life, I really had a God that I could rely on and I could um, speak to. And it was a, a huge change in my life, huge change. Um trying to think if there's anything else about that period of time. Um, So, you know, uh, 25 years later, um, I've been, my body has changed. I mean, a lot of it's changed just because I'm 56, and I hate it. (laughs) Um... But um, I've gained weight, I've lost weight, I've taken medications that have caused me to gain weight, medications that have caused me to lose weight, I've eaten more, I've eaten less, 
Um, there have been times when, I mean, I, I struggle with depression a lot, m- more or less at various times in my life. And there have been times in the past few years when it's been so hard for me that I just couldn't get food down. Where And where in the past I would have taken it as an opportunity, kind of like when you get the flu, um, take it as an opportunity to lose weight. It, instead, I uh, had insure and, you know, you know, things like that to make sure that I was getting nourishment and calories that I needed to, to get. It's not like it completely goes away. There is still a part of me that um, relishes um, eating less. You know, I'm anorexic. What can I say? I don't think that's ever going to go away. I really don't. Um, I mean, that's not the sense I get anyway. Um, And this is the part where I'm probably going to start crying. Uh, This, maybe, I don't know, we'll see. Uh, This has been um, a really hard time in my life the past uh, three, four years. Um, We had to sell our house. Um, we had to move in with my mother-in-law. Um, I'm not working very much, or really I'm not working at all. In the past, my, my work just kind of keeps getting less and less. Um, I've lost my self-confidence to a huge degree. Um, and, um, it's scary. It's really scary. And I'm not enjoying meetings the way I used to. I'm not getting the comfort from meetings the way I used to. Um, I, um, and I don't have a connection with my higher power. And I miss that. I really, really miss that. Um, I mean, I I envy people when I hear them share about their higher powers and and how they can turn things over and um, they can pray. I mean, I don't even know how to pray anymore because I don't even know to what I am praying. And, and, you know, it's gotten to the point where I, like, if I write, uh, you know, on Facebook or text or an email and I write, oh my God, I often use a lowercase g now because I just don't even know what it means. I just don't know what it means anymore. And this, I mean, that's basically what it is. It's I'm, I am in a place in my life of not knowing. And I hate it. And it's scary. And this is the place where it's probably... Um, most important to have a connection with my higher power. Isn't it ironic that that's, you know, when it decides to take a hike? Um, But, um, you know, I'm not going away. We moved back um, to um, L.A. And uh, we live in a different neighborhood now, and we live in an apartment, and I haven't lived in an apartment for 20 years. And 
and I have a great sense of shame and humiliation regarding what I'm going through right now. Um, and all of that is ego. You know, it's all about having something that I can show the world to say, see, you know, um, I'm a success. Uh, but for whatever reason, this is what's happening in life right now. I have a wonderful daughter um, with whom I've, I'm finally developing a great connection, which is really fun. In fact, she and I were crying together today. It's the first time we cried together because um, she did something to my iPod and she was really scared to tell me. And after having ruined my old iPhone, and she did the same, she did the same thing. And I said, I, I, I can't even believe you did this. I just can't even believe you did this. And I took it away from her and I synced it to my computer and it woke up and it wasn't, you know, frozen, locked. And she was, I went back into, and she's a very loud kid, and I went back into her room, and she was sitting on her bed quietly. And I said, I fixed it. It's fixed, but I don't want you to touch it. And I said, what makes you do this? I don't understand what makes you do something that I tell you not to do. And as I'm talking to her, I started crying. And then she started crying, and we were both, like, sitting together, holding each other and crying. And I've never had that experience with her before and it was great I mean so this is something that I have in my life now that I didn't have before and I'm very grateful for that I'm very very grateful that I have such an amazing kid uh, and I have a relationship with her and I have a husband who unfortunately does not make a living but is very supportive of me and I have a great dog uh, just, just amazing he's just so amazing so like you know maybe all of these things are little pieces of God maybe I don't know I mean I'm not going to bullshit you and tell you that I know that I, I don't know um, but what I can tell you is that I'm relearning everything right now in my life. I'm, uh, and I, I never expected to be at a place in my life where I was starting over in so many ways. Um, and uh, it's very humbling. Um, and uh, it remains to be seen what will happen next. So uh, I'm going to end there and take questions from anybody who wants to ask me anything. And uh, please help fill my time. <laughs> These days, my daily abstinence is three meals a day and a snack at night. Um, my breakfast tends to be small-ish. And lunch and dinner tend to be n normal. And I try to eat balanced. You know, I used to really make sure that I got at least salad and vegetable in each day. And the past few months, 
it's not worked out that way so well. But I still have it in mind to do that because I li- that's what I like to do. And that's basically it. I wouldn't think that depression is an inside issue here. Well, I see a psychiatrist. I'm on medication, um, which is not nothing. To tell you the truth, nothing's really helping me right now. Um, although, if I went off of all my medication, who knows what would happen? Uh, I I used to see a therapist but I'm not right now, and I don't really know why, because I'm sure I could find someone cheaply. I think I'm just so exhausted. Uh, I've, I'm not looking right now. Um, it doesn't really get in the way of my working my program. Um, I don't think I'm working a great program right now. I mean, I'm sort of stuck on steps. I've been around the steps a few a few times, and I'm sort of stuck on step eight right now. Uh, actually, I had a go... I, I'm on step nine, but I was bumping on one person, so I, my sponsor had me go back and do another step four on that person and go back through the steps a lot, so I'm, I'm up to step eight again on that person. Um, but, uh, you know... I suppose that accepting, you know, one of the things that I've learned here uh, that I really don't think I was taught before was acceptance. Um, And I have to accept that I have depression. You know, I can go through all sorts of machinations to change it. At sometimes more successfully in my life than others. I mean, there have been times when drugs and therapy have really done the trick, amazingly. Now's not one of them. So, I don't know if I've answered your question. Okay. Am I finished? Oh, my God. Okay, thank you very much.